The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began examining the parable of the tares and the wheat in Matthew chapter 13. We were beginning to see that although it is tempting to us as humans, we are not qualified to separate tares from wheat. That's a job that God himself will do at the end of time. If we tried to do it, we're liable to get some tares and wheat mixed up. We might throw out the wheat thinking it's a tare. We might include a tear that we thought was a wheat. But God knows every single one of his children. He knows exactly who is a tear and who is a wheat. And he always gets it just right. In fact, he's the only one that will always get it just right. Join us as we continue learning this important kingdom truth today. But first, we have a song selection that we hope you enjoy. Oh, 
Where did they come from? God said, the household, the, the, the man here in the parable said, an enemy hath done this. An enemy hath done this. So naturally, being the human beings they are, and us, along with them, ask the next question. After we find out where they came from, the question is, what do we do about them? What do we do about them? Because, you know, we're, we're living in a, in, a, in, a, in a world that's filled with our enemies. You know, you don't, look, we cause our own, we cause our own selves a lot of problems. I, I get that. We do. But if you've been born of the Spirit, there's something in you that wants to fix problems instead of causing problems, okay? You know, in our church here, in this little flock that we have here, we trust and believe that, that, that the church here is made up of born-again believers. And that means they are children of God who have been born of the Spirit. That means God has implanted within us a new creature. Jesus said in the third chapter of John, when he was talking to Nicodemus, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It, it's, I'm not saying there's never been a reprobate or non-elect that's joined a church. They certainly, that happens from time to time. But, uh, but generally speaking, the church is made up of born-again children of God, those who have seen the kingdom of God. They didn't see it in order to get born again. They had to be born again in order to see it. And that means that if, when you say see it, that's not with the physical eyes. That's you get it. That's a better way to put it maybe, uh, or a way to, not a better way, but a way to put it in our terms today would be we get the kingdom of God. We understand what it's about. But so we, and we still have that old nature. So sometimes even within a church setting, that old nature comes up and we cause problems with each other. But there's something within us that desires to fix those problems, even if we cover it up sometimes and let the old man take over, there's something within us that wants peace and, and, and joy and love, okay? But there are people in the world that don't desire that. There are people in the world who do not have a new nature, who are not children of God, who are reprobate, non-elect, whatever word you want to call them, the, the children of that wicked one, okay? Jesus told them, you're of your father the devil, and the works of your father you'll do. And they do those works. And so much so that there's a point where Paul says, I want you to pray for me that I may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith. That's my experience in the world. I run across those people sometimes. I, and, and so many problems in this world, if you just look back over history, are caused by by men and women who appear not to have faith and appear to be of these tares, of these, this wicked one, you see. And boy, wouldn't it be nice to be able to separate from them? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to get rid of them? So that's what they ask. They say, what do we do about them? They say, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Okay, so that makes sense, right? That's the next natural reaction is, okay, where'd they come from? We see these tears. Uh, you know, what, what is a tear? I don't think I talked about that earlier. A tear is just a fake wheat, basically. 
It's, it's, a, it's a grain that instead of being a good grain, it looks like the good grain, but it's black and it's fake. It's not good at all. And it just causes problems. You have to sort them out if you're going to harvest a field and you're going to have to uh, deal with them while they're in the field and they're taking up nourishment that the wheat could take up. And, you know, so it's, it's, they're just a problem. So why don't we just go out, these servants say, and eliminate them and separate them and get rid of them? Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? See, it's a pretty simple problem. There's tares among the wheat. And I guess one answer is we'll just sort them out ourselves. That's what they wanted to do. Sounds good, right? But, but, but how? How? How are you going to do it? Well, are you going to look at their actions? Are you going to examine their works? That's generally the Armenians' answer out there. They'll say, well, if you do more good works than bad works, you must be a wheat. And not a tear, but if you do more bad works than good works, you must be a tear. You must be of that wicked one. The problem is, is that Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 64 and verse 6 that all of our good works, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. What about, maybe, I guess maybe the best way to sort them out is by their perseverance, right? By their perseverance. That's the... That's the Calvinist answer. That's John Calvin's and other, others that I know that, that preach in the Reformed uh, community now. If, they'll just, if we can just watch them and see if they're, doing, if they're holding on, if they're progressively being more and more sanctified, then they must be a wheat and not a tare. And those that aren't being progressively sanctified, those that aren't, you know, those that are kind of sliding back, they must be tares. We'll get rid of them. The problem I run into with that is a man named Lot. Lot was someone who looked exactly like a tear to me. He was living. He first pitched his tent towards Sodom. What a foolish move. Then he ends up moving into the gates, into the city of Sodom which is even worse, and ultimately he's dwelling, he's, he's serving on the city council of Sodom, so to speak. He's sitting in the gate. And when God sends his angels to bring judgment upon that city, he, so, he ends up losing his family, except for two daughters. He loses his wife. And the last time we see Lot, he's living in fear in a cave up in the mountains, drunk, committing unspeakable sins with his two daughters. I'm sure Lot must have just busted hell wide open when he died. Because he sure didn't look like a wheat. He looked to me like a tear. Let's go, let's go root Lot out. The problem with that is, is that we read in Peter's letter that Lot was a just man. That doesn't mean he lived justly in the right way, but he was justified he was a man. He was not a tear. He was one of the wheat. How do you judge them? By their perseverance? Well, we've missed Lot. We've thrown him out. Uh, instead of keeping him as one of the wheat, if we're rooting him out, we've gotten rid of Lot. What about their prosperity? There was a preaching and teaching out there today that if you just name it and claim it, if you just have enough faith, that prosperity gospel, if you have enough faith, if you're doing well, if you're rich and you're excelling in your life and the material things, you must be wheat and not a tear. Well, you're just going to have to talk to Job about that one day. 
You're going to have to talk to Job one day about that. We won't spend much time on that. I think you know who Job is, and I do too, and I believe Job's in heaven today. But there was a time when we would have rooted Job out. We'd have said, okay, it's my job to root out the tares and the wheat. Job, you know, his three friends thought he was a tear. <laughs> they kept telling him, you're, so, you're doing something wrong, Job. You're just a high and mighty prideful man, and we're going to throw you out, you see. But Job, Job was not a tear. He was a wheat. Well, I guess then that we'll just say that the wheat are all those who are orthodox in their practice and in their doctrine. You know, those that, only those that believe like we do, only those that worship like we do, those are the only ones that are wheat and everybody else is a tear. Now, you know, there's a problem with that, too. <laughs> One of the biggest problems is, is we're going to be mighty lonely in heaven if that's the case, because... <laughs> If it's only primitive Baptists in heaven, then we, 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 there's not going to be many, it's not going to be a very big place, or there's going to be a lot of open space. And see, I read about a multitude that no man can number that's going to be in heaven, you see. And you know what that means? That means that, that, means that there's going to be Methodists in heaven. There's going to be Catholics in heaven. There's going to be Southern Baptists in heaven. There's going to be Muslims in heaven. There's going to be people of every nation, kindred, and tongue. And praise God, there's even going to be primitive Baptists in heaven. <laughs> Isn't that glorious? <laughs> I'm thankful for that. And not one of us is going to be there because of what we were or where we worshiped. Now listen, I'm primitive Baptist because I believe that we're trying to do it as close to the, Old Testament uh, the New Testament model as possible. And I love being a primitive Baptist. And I wish every born-again child of God was primitive Baptist because I believe they'd be happier. I believe they would, uh, you, know, you know, if you understand that salvation is by grace alone and it's not up to your works, that doesn't leave you out there to say, well, I can go do whatever I want to. The only people that say that are those that don't believe it. <laughs> But if I believe it, and I believe that uh, now my job is to try to serve the one who has saved me and called me from the dark, the dark places of this life out of the waste howling wilderness. It's my job and privilege to get to serve him, not in order to go to heaven, but because I'm going. And I, I love the simple way we worship. I believe it's in accordance with the dictates of Scripture. It's preaching, praying, and singing. There's no complications. We don't have committees. We don't have... Uh, we don't have choirs, we don't have organizations, we don't have teen groups and divorced singles and married sing couples and all this kind of stuff. But praise God, we just worship together. I wish everybody was primitive Baptist. But I'm so thankful that you don't have to be primitive Baptist to go to heaven. <laughs> praise God. As I said, it'd be a lonely place. You see, here's the problem. The problem is, they said... Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? The problem is they and we are not qualified to do that. We are not qualified to discern who is and who is not a child of God. You say, preacher, doesn't it say that we're to have judgment in the house of God? Yes, we're to have judgment. We're to judge the fruits. We could go out and judge and, you know, there are people I can look at today and I can say they sure do look like a child of God. They give off the evidences of being a child of God. But the problem with saying those who don't give off those evidences must be indeed tares and not wheat is that 
maybe you just caught them on a bad day. I'm going to tell you something. If you take a slice of my day every single day, you, you, you say, okay, Brother Chris, I'm going to look for the next week. I'm just going to randomly take a 10-minute slice of your day and look at it and examine it. And I'm going to try from that to figure out if you're a tear or a wheat. You know, the, you might catch me in church, and you'd probably say, yeah, he kind of looks like a wheat. You know, he can put on a pretty good front in church. You might catch me when I'm caught in traffic on I-65, and for no good reason I'm stopped, and the people in front of me won't go. You might catch me then, and you say, man, I thought he was a preacher. <laughs> he doesn't look much like a, a child of God. He must be a tear. See, something else you might do is you might catch me before I'm born again. Thought about that? What did you look like before you were born again? You look like every other tear out there. We're told in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 that there was a time, he says, you hath he quickened who were dead. Okay, there was a time that we were dead in trespasses and in sins. You know what that looks like? It looks like every other child of the devil that's out there. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins, wherein in time past, he explains it, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. In other words, your life looked like the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, that's the enemy. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Before we were born again, we looked like, and we act like, and we were like the children of wrath. Now notice he didn't say we were children of wrath. But by nature, we were children of wrath. Our nature, in, in nature, before we're born again, is just like the children of the devil, the non-elect. You might catch me before I was born again and say, whew, he's not a child of God. I'm going to throw him out with the tares. That's what we would have done with the thief on the cross, right? He's just no need to keep him. He's lived a rotten life. Look at him hanging up there on the cross. I mean, I don't know how close people could be to the cross when somebody was being executed on a cross, but I suspect they weren't right up there under the cross. And, you know, I suspect it would be hard to hear what's going on from somebody that's hanging on the cross. And possibly even if some of his family was in the audience there watching the execution, it's very possible they saw his lips moving but never heard what he said and figured, okay, my brother, my son, my uncle, my uh, grandson, whoever he was, just must have died and gone to hell. Imagine their surprise when they walk through the portals of glory one day, and there he is. Can you imagine the shock on their face? What? <laughs> you made it? <laughs> you got here? <laughs> you heard that famous statement by Alistair Begg, uh, who, who is a, a Reformed preacher out there, but... Uh, don't agree with all of his theology, but I like this part. He said, I just want to meet that man. He said, can you imagine when he got to the portals of glory and, and the angels are there, whoever's there to greet him. I don't know how that works, but whoever's there to greet him says, what are you doing here? He said, I don't know. 
Well, tell me what you know. You know, do you understand the doctrine of justification by grace? Do you understand the doctrine of the church? I don't, I've never heard of it. He said, then why are you here? He said, because the man on the middle cross said I could come. Amen. And you know what? That's the only reason you and I will ever be there. Amen. Not because of our orthodoxy or our works or our perseverance or our prosperity or even our faith, but because the man on the middle cross said, I can come. And because of that, we're not qualified to root out the tares. Because if we were out there doing that, notice what the, the, son of, notice what the man says here, and Jesus says here in verse 29. But he said, nay, you can't do this, nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. He knew how feeble we are. He knew how we would mess it up. He knew what we would do. And he said, let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. I'm so thankful there is one who's qualified to sort out the wheat and the tares. I'm so thankful it's not me and it's not Brother Craig, it's not Brother Buddy or Brother John Morgan or Brother Tim or anybody else in this in this building, I'm so thankful that there is one who can sort it out perfectly. Because you see, that's the one that said over in John chapter 6 and verse 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. In the harvest, he tells us the harvest is the end of the world. The harvest is the end of time. When the Lord comes back and all the bad things are thrown, done away with and all the good things are, are, are the good, all the tares are, are cast into the fire, all the wheat is gathered into his barn. Notice what he said. He said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. That's not necessarily in faith and good works, but that is in the new birth. In the new birth, all that the Father giveth me, every single one that God chose in Christ before the foundation of the world, every single one that Jesus Christ died for on the cross, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. They will be born again. Remember what he said in, in the uh, eighth chapter of, uh, of, of Romans where he says, uh, uh, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, them whom he called, them he also justified, whom he justified, them he also glorified. That's the same calling, that's the same coming to him that he's talking about there where the Spirit of God goes forth and, re and, and regenerates every single one of his, uh, his children, every single one that the Father gave him will be regenerated at some point between conception and the grave. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I'm not going to get it wrong. You're going to root up some wheat if you try to do it, but not me. Every grain of wheat will be gathered into my barn. Oh, what a glorious thought that is. And did you notice something about that? That means that sometimes when we, maybe we get down and out about the wickedness of this world, sometimes I say, Lord, why are you leaving us here? Why are we here? Why am I still here? Did you know it's the mercy of God that leaves us here? 
If he sent others to do his job, they'd mess it up. But he's left us here until the harvest. And in the harvest, he's going to sort it all out. Child of God, we can leave it to God to sort out the tares from the wheat because only God can perform that separation without fear that even a blade of wheat will be lost. That comforts me as a minister of the gospel of the grace of God. Because that tells me my job is not to figure out who is or is not a child of God. You know what my job is? He's already told me in the first parable. In the first parable, the seed is not children of God. The seed is the word of God. And all those on the wayside, you know what I'm to do with them? Oh, well, they must be tares. They're on the wayside. No, I'm to preach it to them. I'm to preach it to them. What about those in the stony ground, the ones that come and they're all excited and then they fall away? Well, they must not have been children of God in the first place. No, I'm to preach it to them because they may just be stony ground hearers that have fallen away. What are all those in the thorny ground that get distracted by the cares of life and the troubles of life, which is my problem most of the time? Well, I guess I don't have to worry about them because they, they're just not children of God. They're those old tares. No, I'm to preach and minister to them. I'm to continue to minister to the wayside and the stony ground and the thorny ground because they are children of God just like the good ground. I'm so thankful that we don't have to have perfect church members. I wish I was a perfect church member, but I'm not. And I'm thankful we don't have to have that. All I have to do is just keep on preaching. I don't have to sort you out. Because there's one who is going to sort it out just right. And it's not going to exclude one from heaven that he chose in Christ before the foundation of the world. I hope this has been some help to us tonight. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.